You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. It's once again time that we go out venturing for cryptid creatures in the swamp. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true cryptid horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's with some sort of cryptid creature or something else, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let us jump right into these allegedly true and downright spine-chilling cryptid encounters. Hey, Swamp Dweller. I'm still waiting on an Alabama horror story video so I figured I would help out with one of my scary camping encounters. Three buddies of mine and I went camping in the mountains of North Alabama on fall break in 2016. We trekked, I would probably say about a mile or so, maybe a little bit further, up this hill close to my buddy's house. The Appalachian Mountains end in Alabama, so this could be an Appalachian horror story as well. Anyways, we had one more friend who was going to come with us, but he was going to be late. It was nearly pitch black at this point and the four of us were just hanging around the fire, drinking and whatnot. Finally, our fifth friend Will calls and asks us if we're still going to meet him halfway because it was so dark and he wouldn't be able to find us alone in this secluded spot. So, two of my buddies left to go meet him, leaving me and my friend, who I will call CJ for privacy reasons, alone. Everything was fine and we were chatting when out of nowhere we hear what sounds like some sort of mighty roar, which, on first impression, sounded like a yeti or something. We were skeptical, but thought nothing of it at first. Not too long after that, we hear a cadence of footsteps all around us. They sounded like human footsteps, I want to say. CJ starts to yell at whatever it could have been. The footsteps suddenly stop, and they were followed by a frightening moan. Not a moan like it was in pain, but... An aggressive moan, like a growl, but it wasn't really a growl. Us being drunk and not completely aware of what was happening, we decided to run after whatever it was. I know, this is dumb. The moment we began to run after this thing, we see the silhouette of the creature running off on two feet and dropping down to all fours every other stride. Almost like a monkey. But this thing didn't exactly look like a monkey. Seconds later, we got a phone call from our other buddy saying we need to get out of there ASAP. So we book it down the hill, neither of us falling surprisingly, and we make it back to our cars with the rest of our friends, before we could even relay what we had just encountered. The two friends who left to meet Will told us that they were certain something big was following them on the hike down. We do have black bears here, but not too many, and they try to stay away from humans. So, it would be weird if it was a black bear, but not impossible. 
we all got into our cars and went back to our friend's house who lives nearby and shared our stories. The next day we go out to check out the campsite, and nothing looked at a place other than the fire had rocks on top of it, meaning something put it out. Thank you for sharing this story, Swamp Dweller. I look forward to each night when I listen to your narrations. This story is 100% true, and I'd love to know what others in the swamp may think we encountered. I live in southern Maine out in the sticks. There's an upper part of our garage detached from the house. When I was around 14 years old, during the summer, I'd sleep up there to hide smoking Mary J from my dad. Some nights, out here knocking on the door, and this wasn't like branches rubbing up against the structure. These were distinct knocks. I was terrified and I was so young. I didn't know what to do at the time. I knew the door was locked. I wasn't sure about the actual garage door, though. I somehow managed to fall asleep and awoke still alive and breathing, but this kept happening randomly throughout the night. Nothing serious happened. It was just those knocks. They sounded and felt so intentional, like something wanted me to be scared. It would be like, knock, two seconds of silence, another knock, followed by another two seconds of silence, and then another knock. So eventually, the knocking started when I had a friend over. So, we were in there and it was the two of us. We had machetes and axes, so we went downstairs and the knocks are still going. As we got to the door, neither of us wanted to open it, so we just sat there and listened. There's a rundown red SUV explorer type vehicle next to the garage. We heard the suspension go down, like, like a bear sat on it or something. We just both looked at each other like, what the hell, and went back upstairs and just tried to forget about it. I set traps from where I thought it was coming from. The knocks kept happening up until I started staying inside again. I've had nightmares of the place I lived, of a pale, giant centipede-looking creature with long black hair that can walk on water. I was talking with someone on an island in the dream, but I don't remember what was said. But all I know is this creature comes around the bend of the island. I hit it with a shovel, and then I wake up. I apologize if this is too much and kind of confusing, I love your channel and have been watching for a while. It's awesome to watch it grow, and I hope somebody might know what could have been knocking on my door that night. I did see a silhouette of it. It was hard to make out if it was hominid or not, but I just really would like answers. Hello, Swamp People. I'm a 34-year-old outdoorsman, and I have been for the last 15 years or so. My love for nature and adventure has me spending a lot of my free time solo hiking all over California with my dog Nina. I am a firm believer in the supernatural, solely due to my own personal experiences with the unknown. After so many experiences, my curiosity led me to find something I couldn't explain last year. I was solo hiking with my dog about six miles away from the nearest road, right after a full day and night of snow. I reached a peak and discovered an amazing valley. It resembles an ancient lake, with trees in different stages of development, littered as far as I could see. It was unusually flat, and diverse in plant life for that part of the Tahoe National Forest. Shortly after reaching the peak, I came across a fresh set of tracks. I know tracks very well in California. These were not made by any documented animal. They were about 16 inches long and 6 inches wide 
and sunk into the ground about five times deeper than my own tracks. It had pads like dogs in the front, but there were no claw marks like you might see from a bear. The tracks seemed to transition as they went on, and this animal thing was dragging something with it. There was no blood, but there were clear signs that something was being dragged momentarily. Alongside the bizarre unknown tracks were a fresh set of mountain lion tracks as well as another week-old cougar track, likely from the same cat. Also, in one of the videos, my dog's tracks are alongside them as well, making for a very good reference. My dog is 65 pounds, and her paw prints next to those were like Simba's next to Mufasa's. I recorded the tracks in about three different short videos for later examination. Until this day, I have no explanations, and my curiosity grew. That was one year ago. If you're listening or watching this on the YouTube side of things, I will have the videos on screen for you to see. Since then, I have gone to other places and seen them in other cool, bizarre things. However, I still never forgot about those tracks. I was always planning on going back to explore that area when I could find a better access point. I eventually got a kick-ass four-wheel drive SUV and found the perfect route that leads within a mile or so of the valley. Three days ago, in December 2021, I finally went back, and this is what happened. I arrived at the end of a rough one-lane dirt road sometime around noon. There is no cell reception in this area and there were no other people. It's not the easiest place to get to, and it's not the kind of place that will attract your average camper or hiker, since there are no marked trails and it dead ends after about two miles. I was entering from the west side of the bowl-shaped valley. The west and the east sides were the lower edges of the valley, while the north and south were the high steep edges while the north and south were the high steep edges with taller trees and more granite boulders, as always, I brought the loyal canine companion Nina. She is a four-year-old German Shepherd Pitbull mix with much tenacity. Without wasting much time, I grabbed some water and a few choice pieces of equipment and headed into the valley. It was just peaceful and sunny. We were making our way through the dense part of the forest towards the juvenile pine trees, which made a sort of clearing... From there, I could see a lot more around me, so I decided to take a moment and sit and collect myself. Nina was off-leash, running around, sniffing everything as she normally does. After about five minutes of sitting down, I noticed the birds and bugs were no longer making any noise. It was somewhat subtle, because it wasn't terribly noisy to begin with, but I have strong senses. I considered getting Nina back on the leash, but decided against it. I watched her for clues and got a red flag. She seemed to be looking around like she knew something was close. Then, she picked up the scent of an animal that was recently there and started following it at a fast walking speed. I knew she was on it. I started to follow her while calling her to see if I can get her back on the leash. I knew that since we didn't hear anything leaving as I crunched my way loudly through the forest, there was a good chance that whatever it was was there waiting quietly. Then, I think she saw it because she took off after it full speed up the south side of the valley. The trees were too dense to see what she was after. In my mind, it could have been anything, but I was thinking a deer, maybe mountain lion. Truthfully, I didn't care what it was, I just wanted to go after my dog. So I ran off in her direction. After a few moments, I would stop and listen. Every time I would stop, I would hear nothing. I knew she had to be far at this point. So, 
Instead of chasing after her aimlessly up the mountain at 5,800 feet of elevation, I decided to call out to her and blow my whistle that I keep in my little survival kit. Still nothing. About eight minutes or so passed since she had took off, but I felt like it was a lot longer. She is like a homing pigeon, so I figured she will come running back to me shortly. So I stood quietly waiting for another two minutes or so, when I heard something large crunching down the mountain in my general direction, fast. I was hoping it was my dog, but the sound of huge branches breaking in a rhythm that resembled a deer extinguished my hopes quickly. I still don't know for sure what it was, but it was moving very fast, and I was hoping my dog would be behind it somewhere following behind. I pulled out my 10mm, loaded with 15 220 grain hard cast rounds, out of my holster, listened, and waited for a moment before I started jogging to not give away my position. The way this thing sounded as it was jumping left, maybe quarter second gaps of silence, that would give my position away if I was careless. It was running north down the hill, and I was west of its direct path, so I was going to see the profile of it. I waited until it was about 150 feet away. I began running towards this deer noise just before I knew it would be in my field of view. The first thing that caught my eye was something jet black and hairy galloping in perhaps 20 foot leaps. I didn't see any antlers, and its neck was a lot shorter and thicker than a deer's. Its chest was thick and so was its waist. Its legs were a little bit shorter than a deer's as well. I saw this all in an instant and continued forward not having any time to think about it. I was still running at about 50% speed with a hand cannon, looking at this thing blazing through the trees at what I would guess to be about 40 miles per hour. I was starting to make a lot of noise, and I was about 100 feet from it. I looked down for a moment to calculate my next few steps. When I looked back up, it was gone. I am certain it had either seen me or heard me. It could have only gone east. There's no other place it could have went. Probably about three minutes later, in the opposite direction, I heard a smaller animal running towards me. The sound was familiar and very welcome. It was Nina. I holstered my weapon. She came up to me looking happy but wiped out. I was relieved beyond words that she had found me again, and we slowly made our way back. It wasn't until then that I started realizing just how strange that creature truly was. I kept thinking about the details of it. Once certain in my mind that it was not a deer, I really was at a loss for an explanation. Then I thought back to the forest going quiet, and how it had only hid and did not retreat upon my arrival. That is, until its cover was completely blown. Those are predatory behaviors. It really surprised me to see something with jet black fur like that as well. Even black bears would be much lighter in comparison. And even though it had hair, or fur, it really looked out of place for some reason. The greasy sheen just didn't seem right. I am not certain if the footprints that I saw one year ago are from the same thing that I saw three days ago, so I'm going to go back tomorrow. I want to explore the area more and get a better understanding of what is going on. This time snow will be a factor. The first snow in months is falling heavily right now in that area, but it should be stopping by tomorrow midday. I will likely have my phone on me just in case I see more tracks or anything else worth recording. So. I can get some personal data to help me determine just what I'm dealing with. I'm curious about its intent. I can't let something like that run around if it has bad intentions. Either way, Nina loves the snow and so do I. If I have another encounter, I will be sure to write back. Stay aware and stay safe out there, Swamp Folk.
Hey Swamp Dweller, I'm the guy who commented on your live stream that I heard your personal story from an ex-girlfriend of mine who grew up outside of Asheville. I'm from the dark woods of Pennsylvania, but I met that girl going to UNC Chapel Hill, which is where this story starts. In October of 2015, I was in my freshman year at Chapel Hill, studying economy and playing rugby. I used the econ training to come up with Excel spreadsheets that predicted fantasy football performance. I was able to make what felt like a lot of money being in my freshman year of school, and then a concussion rocked my brain so hard that I couldn't even stare at the screens long enough to update the spreadsheets. After a month of missing almost every class, I went back to Pennsylvania on medical leave. To fight depression, I used my fantasy football winnings to take an impulsive trip to the High Peaks region of New York on November 16, 2015. I left an hour after I had the thought to leave. November in North Carolina is much different from November in upstate New York, so before I started hiking, I stopped in an outfitter nearby, called the Mountaineer. At the time, frankly, the man running the store had me a little angry. He politely inquired about my plans, asking if I was in the search party. No, I replied. I'm climbing Dick's Peak. Tomorrow? The owner asked. No, today. And the man looked at me with surprise and concern. And how do you plan to do that? I just looked at the man and said, Well, I mean, I'm just going to climb it. Do you even have micro spikes? And from that, I learned that I would find snow and ice as I ascended elevation. I picked up the spikes. The man encouraged me to buy a headlamp, but I assured him that I already had more than one. Before I left, he sincerely asked me not to hike. Sunsets are 4.30, so you better run. You'll be the next one we're searching for. And so, I drove down the road down to this pond and began my hike at 9.30am. No one had signed the trail, and it looked like no one had even used it for at least two days. The current day was November 15th, though there was no snow at the start of the trail, as I ascended snow quickly accumulated. Without the micro spikes, I couldn't have hiked, because the trails had ice completely over them after about a mile and a half. I ate my lunch on the summit of Mount Dix at 2.30pm. It was cold, only 20 degrees Fahrenheit, but the ice that hit me was the realization that the sun was getting very low. And, being at the summit, I was only halfway. The last mile of the hike had been extremely difficult, rock scrambling, which in this weather was really ice climbing. Snow was over a foot deep, making my crawl downturn damp. At about 3.45pm, I emerged from the rock scramble and decided my best move was to jog, or, if the trail allowed it, I would run. Despite the impending night in my isolation, at this time my main concern was what started as an utter silence while I crawled down the icy rocks. Ascending, I heard many birds, but my descent was absolutely silent. The moment I started running to beat the sun, I couldn't help but notice the regularity in the branches cracking to my left, even though my feet only hit snow. I felt like I was being watched from the left even though I had never even seen anything. I should have felt the deepening cold. To ease my mind, I decided to stop my jog, suddenly, thinking that a creature running with me would take a few extra steps before it realized I was not moving. Nothing. I did it again. Nothing. I'm crazy, I thought to myself. And then I did it one more time and I heard leaves shuffle in the woods to my left. Now, I ran. I was breathing hard when a river crossing came up ahead. I saw the same ice-covered rocks that I had to jump across to get there, and I hit them at speed. 
This led to my right leg slipping off a rock and my legs plunging through the ice and into the frozen river. I sprawled out my hands to grab the rock to not get sucked under the ice. It worked. I pulled myself up. The force in my hand smacking the rock had broken my new flashlight almost in half. The cylinder cracked and the water got inside. The wiring. Now, I did not care if anything ran with me in the woods. I threw the contents of my bag until I had searched every nook and cranny for another flashlight. Or my headlamp. I found no headlamp. I couldn't even find my spare handheld flashlight. I had spare wool socks and I changed out of my socks even though it was now 14 degrees. My boots were still soaked with water, which made the sock change ineffective. My mind raced, trying to decide if I should make a fire or make a run for my truck. It was still four and a half miles from my truck with no lights, but my iPhone. I brought it out and realized that the cold had taken my battery down to 12%. It worked for less than seven minutes before the cold forced it to shut off, a defect of the older iPhone models. I decided to run, except with no lights. I couldn't move much faster than a walk. At first, the waning sunlight kept my tracks just barely visible. I was soaked from the waist down. I wiggled my toes once they started to go numb, and the panic made me move faster. But immediately, following the river that I fell in, was a valley where the moonlight could not penetrate the trees. I believe that about an hour and a half had gone by when I realized that I was constantly getting whipped in the face by branches. The snow was almost up to my thighs. I stopped. There were no tracks in front of me. I was not following the trail. You panic, you die in these situations. That thought was all that kept me calm. I turned around and followed the tracks that had gotten me here, hoping to backtrack to the original trail. Despite the loss of feeling in my feet, I went slow to not lose my trail another time. It worked. I found the trail, but with precious time lost. Despite the gloves on my hands, I began to feel the numbness sink into my hand, and I reasoned that the blood in my body must be rallying to my central organs. In this moment, I realized that I could choose between comfortable thoughts and motivating thoughts. Either uh, I could think of a hug, a warm room, and a campfire, and this would make me feel momentarily okay, or I could think about what I would lose out on by lying down and basically dying. I just kept on thinking about how badly I didn't want to die alone in the woods like this. I came out of the valley and realized my last mile or so downhill was right in front of me. There would be moonlight, but my steps became clumsier because I was having extreme difficulty feeling my feet. So even though I could see a bit from the moonlight, I kept stumbling. At last I saw the round pond and knew I was a quarter mile from the truck. I wouldn't let anything hold me back now. I felt new strength and could see the trail log when I noticed a black creature on the trail in front of me, just pawing the ground. This thing was maybe three feet long and two feet wide, but very short to the ground. I yelled at it. I cursed at it. I screamed like a man who wasn't going to let himself die 200 feet from his truck. But this thing wouldn't move. It just pawed the ground. And the trail was a gully about eight feet high to each side. I couldn't climb that in my state. I threw a stick, and still it didn't move. Now I finally threw a stick that bounced off the creature. Now it growled and stared. It flexed like it could attack. I screamed non-stop. I knew it was a wolverine and suddenly he just turned around. He just walked away before he scrambled up the side of the ravine. I eventually walked out. My truck was only 200 feet away. Once in my truck I warned myself slowly. Over the course of an hour, aware that if I heated myself too quickly, then I'd be more than likely to lose some skin to the frostbite. Even though my phone turned back on, I had no service, so I just sat there, eating Kit Kats, 
wishing I had bought that headlamp from the Mountaineer. A few years later, I sat down and watched the missing 411 movies, and the first story centers around upstate New York, only an hour from where I went hiking. The man went missing on November 15, 2015, two days before I went hiking. I think that's why no one had gone hiking to the Dick's Wilderness for two days prior to my hike. I work on a horse farm, and tonight, while I was feeding my horse, I noticed that they were all spooking at something on the other side of the farm, and my boyfriend kept saying that there was a person on the other side. I thought he saw a tree that looked like a person until he pointed out where it was, and it looked unnecessarily tall. It was similar to a person, but not quite. And then, as we were looking at it, it started to move. I still thought it was a tree until we got to that side and the donkeys that were over there because of coyotes were acting scared. Now, they are generally not scared. They're actually incredibly brave, which caught me off guard. Suddenly, I heard something in the woods, and we pointed the headlight over. At that same time, my boyfriend grabbed his shotgun because we both thought that there was a person trespassing. We noticed, then, it sounded like it was running away from us, so I was not too concerned anymore until we saw... One on the property the exact next day. It was not a person, and there is no way it was a person. That is not what scared the both of us, though. The part that freaked us out was when I closed the gate and locked it up. Whatever this was, it was out there and started running at me. I immediately ran to the car and got in. When we finally got to the main road, this thing stopped chasing us. When we looked back, it was easily eight feet tall and just standing in the middle of the road. I don't know what I saw, but I do know it was not a person. I do not know if it was a crawler, or a skimwalker, or anything like that. But I would like to know if they will come and cause issues at the farm. My boyfriend got to the main gate this time to see if it would chase him, or if it was just going to chase me. It also chased him and chased their car down the road for a little bit. I should probably mention that he was cussing at it and probably made it very mad. I have listened to some other stories on this show, and I'm pretty sure that what we are dealing with is a crawler. I'm going to try and figure out to try to link some sort of video to the screaming that we caught on camera the other night. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories tonight, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating over there as it really helps us grow there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode. I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite scary stories from the swamp, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online.
If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and checking us out on Apple and Spotify, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I know it's always so hard to pick one. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.